one billion years in the future, Earth still exists, though maybe not as we imagine it. Eras upon bygone eras worth of technology have been left behind by eight previous and fallen civilizations. It is now up to the denizens of the Ninth World to piece together what was left behind. Perhaps they're looking to carve out their place in the world, or simply to survive a land riddled with weird and unearthly dangers. Or perhaps still, they just wish to learn and uncover the secrets of the Numenera. Whatever it is this new era of adventurers and heroes is looking to discover, they'll have to dig through the imprinted echoes of the past to find it. Hello, and welcome to Imprinted Echoes, a family-friendly Numenera actual play podcast. I'm Zan, and I'll be your GM. Thanks for joining us today. As always, we hope you're staying safe and healthy. This is episode 50 for us. A bit of a shorter episode this time, but also a pretty great milestone. I just want to take the time to thank all of you who have been listening along with our adventures, especially those who have been with us since the beginning. But at whatever point you found us, thank you so much for your support and enthusiasm. Setting out to travel once again, our party heads south and then west, first to deposit their prisoners, and then on to find the site referenced in the most recent verse of the song. Tracks are covered, a settlement is discovered, and old legends are recalled. Join us as Nehemiah, Smallrin, and Jory continue to follow the imprinted echoes of the past. Are you taking four or five Anine? Is anyone riding the one that's pulling the cart? Uh, Nehemiah would. Okay. All right. You head out southward, directly south from Lagam. There's no direct road this way. There's some a couple of paths that have kind of been cut that are very small or overgrown, but there's no major road. So you make your way along one of these like hunting trails, essentially, and start to look for a place to leave these folk. What kind of place do you look for? You could look for a small group of trees. You could look for an area with a small lake or a pond. You could look for somewhere that has a rocky outcropping that maybe provides a little bit of protection. What kind of area are you looking to leave your prisoners in? Somewhere with water. Water? Water is top priority. As long as they have a source of fresh water, Nehemiah doesn't really care. Okay. Any other input on that? Small run very surreptitiously is watching for signs of deadly wildlife. Like, not saying My so, girl. but, like, looking to see if there's any, you know, bushes with poisonous berries nearby, or a rocky outcropping with a den of poisonous snakes underneath, or droppings from a particularly nasty predator. You can easily find an area with water. If you also want to find an area with water that might be a little more dangerous than normal, I will have you roll for that. I'm totally cool with that. This will be if you have some sort of survival, navigation, that kind of thing. My question is, can I use espionage because I'm trying to keep the others from noticing I'm doing it? <laughs> also, I do have my Ogren orb for perception tasks. 
No on espionage, yes on right. orb. Fine. <laughs> I was going to make it a level four. I'll just automatically make it a level three because you're you're trying to sneak around okay. and that will do that. So go ahead and level three. It'll be intelligence. Intellect, rather. Sorry. I think I am going to spend for a point of effort. Okay. Success with a 19. Minor effect. Nice. Roll 20 loves you and hates Chase. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, you Minor just got to know how to talk to him. <laughs> <sighs> Is that how that works? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any thought on what the minor effect could be? I would like the minor effect to be Smallrin sees, like, you know, as as we're kind of hitting the one day mark, Smallrin starts seeing a couple things that would kind of work, but she's looking for, like, that, that perfect culmination of, like, at least two deadly-ish things in the area. I would like the minor effect to be that she is able to explain away why none of the other water that we find works in a way that doesn't make them suspicious. All right. You find an area... It does have water. It's a, a smaller body of water than some of the other ones you've found. But in the area, you find a couple tracks of uh, dreet, which are these kind of twisted purple creatures with really long necks and mouths full of teeth that have incredibly distinctive calls. Mm-hmm. Love um, that. And are relatively poisonous. As well as um, you see, you think are some abhuman tracks, maybe Mogger. That'll do. All right. So how do you explain that this is the place that this the, that they need to be left? It'll work, but why? Smallrin's just willing to say she's being spiteful. This is a smaller water source. They won't be able to, like, settle here. They will have to move on quickly. And, yeah, she's basically just says, I don't want them to be too comfortable. Works for me. Hmm. Hmm. That's my thought process. <laughs> the area that you found has a, like a small pond. Yeah. And you do a little looking and, and testing and investigating. It does seem to be fresh and safe to drink water. More like a reservoir of some sort than a than like stagnant pond water. And there's like a small little kind of like rocky outcropping. Not a cave, like they're not going to be set in anywhere, but something that would feasibly be able to hide them or um, a little bit of protection from like the wind elements of weather. Not rain or sun, but protection from that. You set them up, laid down underneath this little rocky area. Um, Molly actually takes the, the tarp, the, the cloth that you had covered them with, and grabs a couple of poles and like makes a little tent over top so that it's um, a little more protected just so that there's less of a chance of something happening to them while they're still sleeping. Mm-hmm. I will uh, take my gift basket and prop it up very nicely and kind of prune it like you would if you're trying to make it look nice for somebody. I take the choose-your-own-adventure and kind of pull it out. <laughs> so this'll, this'll keep them busy. You, you leave you leave a, a copy of um, the games that you've written. 
<laughs> so I, if I remember correctly, you, you've written a number of different games while being, while hiding in places. <laughs> mm-hmm. Eel? Smallrin, if there is a tree nearby, would also like to, again, She so she takes out a blade, uses it to open a small cut on her leg and smears some blood over the blade uh, and then writes on a piece of paper, don't come back and sticks it to the tree. It's a very small tree, but it works. <laughs> if nothing else, they're going to get such conflicting signals from, from this <laughs> whole area that they're not going to want to waste the energy to even think about coming back. You leave the supplies, in quotations, mm-hmm. supplies, um, the note, and between the four of you, you make sure that any mention of Legam or the surrounding area and their notes is destroyed, ripped out, erased. You leave them with a little bit of a heading as to where they should head. Do you leave them with information about Pakala and the Lambent Fields, or do you just say you're going this direction? Uh, I think we need to give them enough of a hook that they they know that it's in their best interest. We're not just sending them into some sort of a trap, because otherwise mm-hmm. I think sure. they would be like, no way, we're not going where you tell us. All right. You leave those bits of information, take the bits of information that you want Smallrin does make a point of, and has been making a point as we traveled, of covering up signs of where we came yeah. from as best as possible. Covering up tracks and, and anything. Do you lay any false tracks or anything? You just want to erase No sign of us coming or going. Especially, like, in the, the hour kind of leading up to us finding this place, I made particularly careful to make sure that there were no signs of us. All right, go and roll an espionage for me. This will be a, because you have as many people as you do, I'm going to make it one for each person, so level four. I'm going to spend for a point of effort, and I am uh, specialized in this. Oh, that's right. I did let you do that. Dang it. So that takes it down to level two. At level one. Holy cow, that's a 20 for a level one With a major effect. So not only do they not know, can the major effect be that the sleeping potion I gave them actually erodes some of their memories of where they came from? Like, they only have the haziest memories of Lagam? I will say it will disorient them. It will not erase their memories of the place Mm -hmm. and what what they experienced there, because those are a little too core to things. But I will say it will mess with their ability to remember exactly where it is. Excellent. That's all all I want. <laughs> I also would like, because my, my stats are getting a little low, um, would I, while we're, while we're doing stuff, while we're traveling, I would like to make some recovery rolls. Yeah, absolutely. Same. That's totally fine. You can make up to the one hour one. Okay. So, the one action, ten minute, one hour one are fine within this time because it'll take you a little while to get them set up and and things like that. And this is not um, anything that will give you undue amounts of stress or effort. I managed a ten. Nice. nice. 
Oh, because you have a plus four to yes. your recovery rolls now. Because you're you're tier two and you have you took a that is a an advancement. And actually that one tops me off. Nice. Road low, but I'm basically good. Okay. Not as much as I would have liked, but I'm I'm alright. Within a couple hours of you continuing on that way, Molly kind of says, so what exactly do you know about where we're going? Uh, pretty much what you do. It's uh, another array connected to uh, Lagam, and, you know, hopefully... Uh, We'll figure out a little bit more about what was going on with those people who were, you know, trapped over there. All right. Do you know anything about, like, what this is? Like, I don't know how much information you had about the Ogrek before you got there, but... I mean, if you don't, you don't. I'm just <laughs> trying to get my ducks in a row. So... Maybe y'all can help me. And maybe it's just because this feels like it's taken like three years or something like that. Or maybe it's because my head's not in the game quite the right way it should be for what we've got going on. But I feel like this is all like this has to be some sort of like a like a receiver or something like that. Or like a signal booster, maybe. Based on what you guys have put together, this where you're going to is kind of like the the transmission base. This is the antenna that like sends things mm -hmm. out places. Gotcha. So, you know, this is this is the broadcast station. So maybe we'll be able to actually make a positive connection with something from here, but. If not, it might be a couple of days before we know exactly what's going on until we get back to Lagam. Yeah. The distance, you're not 100% sure how long it's going to be. Mohara mm -hmm. kind of overstocked you. Good. With, with supplies. You travel for a day, two, three, four... And it's pushing on a week, and there still isn't anything that you found that would remotely come up as as what you would assume an array of any sort, what you've experienced before would look like. On the sixth day, you wake up from camp. The sun is rising in the east, and... Molly uh, kind of stands up from, from his bedroll and looks out over the horizon and goes, Oh. M maybe that. And still a, a good far distance off, maybe another day or so's travel, you see a massive tower climbing into the clouds. Whew. Okay. If that's not it, then maybe we have something else to be curious about. 
Either way, that's where we're heading. Press forward. Smallrin, go ahead and roll me a history check. Level five. I don't think any of my skills apply to this. This would just be straight history. Yes. Right. Spend for a point of effort. Actually, you know what? I will let your mentor's book be an asset Oh, here, okay, perfect. Based on what the, I'm having you roll for. Love that. All right, so yeah, I consult the book. Success with an 11. Something about this, it seems just a hair familiar tower out in the middle of nowhere start flipping through the book um, and there's a story about the legend of Jack the Jack for which all Jacks oh, gosh. in this world are named mm-hmm. <laughs> that there was a tower that Jack climbed and climbed and climbed and climbed so high that he found himself in the clouds and who knows what lies above it after that there's a brief description of it that no one knows how high this actually goes up people have tried before and never gotten up there that to most people's knowledge the purpose of this is relatively unknown. There are some strange things about it. But no one knows why this was put here. Except maybe you all. Mm-hmm. Question. In So we see a massive tower in the distance. Do Can we see the top of it? No. It goes into the clouds and or if not the clouds, if it's a clear day, um, aerial perspective takes over and it just reaches to the point where it is no longer visible. Oh. <laughs> hmm. Oh. oh, that's very cool. Chase has theory. So I assume that's what we're looking for. I would think so, yes. Man, I, if it's not... I gotta see what's going on with it. Either way, what on... What? Tally-ho? <laughs> Onward and upward. That's both very accurate. <laughs> <laughs> it becomes apparent that this is not just a tower in the middle of nowhere. It is a tower in the middle of nowhere with a town around it. Doesn't seem very big. Definitely bigger than Lagam in terms of space that seems occupied. But as you kind of like come up on it, between the th- the four of you figuring things out. Somewhere between a, a thousand and maybe 1,500 people at most would probably live here, just based on size and buildings. There's a lot of 
farms and, and agricultural areas out around. A small road that kind of starts a little ways out, but actually like takes you into this town. And you get a handful of like strange looks from people who might be out and about in the farmland surrounding. Not like taken aback or suspicious, just kind of like, oh, visitors. Okay. You get in closer to and things become a little more busy. There's a small market. There's people up, milling about doing their thing. The closer that you look at this tower in the center, the base of it is made of metal and glass and synth. But there is a strip of unknown material that starts up near like the top of this base and that's what stretches up it is a white hard looking material and around the base is a structure of scaffolding and wooden platforms and there are a number of people on those platforms in small groups or alone individually milling about some people look like they might be performing some sort of ritual <laughs> or rite, but not like a large-scale event of any kind. It seems like small groups. Hmm. Oh, no. I really hope they don't worship this thing. There is no wall around the town as you continue in, but there are no dangerous beasts. It seems that threats seem to be staying away from here for whatever reason. How are the uh, the Anines reacting? They're fine. Cool. Good. So, if, if this is giving off a frequency, it's not similar to the one at Lagam. Might just be a... Uh... You know, good, decent guard, but we didn't really run into much guard out here. Maybe the farmers keep an eye on things. You get closer, and someone kind of standing on the street just kind of waves mm -hmm. to you. Oh, friendly. You might ride right up. Good morning. Welcome, travelers. How can I help you? Oh, optimism. <laughs> I guess. So here's, um... The weird first question, where are we? The beanstalk. <laughs> well, of course. Of course it is. <laughs> Sam. I didn't mean that. <laughs> oh, I love I'm it. I'm here for it. I'm, I'm a fan. Oh. I'm also real mad, but I love it. <laughs> mm -hmm. There is, like I said, kind of a small town around the base of this and this metal synth glass structure with some sort of light up uh, higher and as it climbs up it, this white material kind of shards of it stretch upwards and into the sky until you can't see it any longer additionally around it uh, 
possibly due to some sort of gravitational distortion. Uh, there are five boulders floating around the structure. And the person who is at the side of the road tells you what this place is called. Did you travel here on purpose? Ever since we saw the tower, yes. Is it unusual for people to come here purposefully? No, it's just a 50-50 shot as to whether or not people found it by accident or heard about us. Oh. How long has um, this whole situation been going on? A few years at this point. Six, uh, maybe seven. Mm. The Beanstalk, I'm sure, has been here long before that. But the city itself has grown quite a bit. Like a beanstalk. Like a beanstalk, indeed. Oh, dear. (laughs) What are they doing over there? Oh, there are... They're performing their morning rituals. To the beanstalk? Yes. Okay. Well, there's a number of different belief structures here. Some people... View the beanstalk as a an important site of religious power. Other people think that it houses a god. Some people simply think that it is a modern marvel. Nobody's gone in? Gone in? No one knows how to get in. Believe me, people have tried. But there's been... No evidence of doors or even the cracks and seams that we've found in the metal haven't yielded any sort of results. Um, Jory <laughs> just starts giggling. <sighs> yes? Nothing. I think we might want to try and find a way in. Uh, yeah. Sounds like a fun afternoon. It does. <laughs> I mean... You're welcome to try. No one's been successful thus far, but you are welcome to try. Excellent. Your name is? My my name's Donovan, by the way. Donovan. Nehemiah, Smallrin, Jory. And Molly. And it won't disturb anyone if we try to get in. We don't want to cause trouble. You've not been the first, and I doubt you'll be the last. That's fair. Nehemiah holds a we might be back. (laughs) (laughs) Is there a place where we can post up our knee, like an inn or something? Oh, absolutely. There's a a tavern uh, down the way. Feel free to to stop in there. If you need anything, please let me know. I'm kind of the acting mayor right now. Oh. Well, congratulations. Yes. Dare I ask what happened to the last one? If you're the acting. They gave up. They gave up? Oh. Then no, I thought you meant the last people that tried to get into no, no, the no, tower. No, no. Sorry, sorry, Maya. Oh, oh, um, she's still around, um, but is too ill to perform duties at the moment. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. I don't suppose it has something to do with the uh, beanstalk. Hmm. If it does, that's not a connection we've been able to draw. I see. I hope she improves. Unless you like being the mayor. In which case, I hope she also improves, but just abdicates anyway. (laughs) He raises an eyebrow at you. 
Thank you. Mm. Jory, was it? Yes. Wonderful. I think I understand what you're trying to say. Jory is this close to offering him fruit. <laughs> Donovan is a stocky man with a bald head and a very carefully trimmed beard, wearing uh, relatively plain clothing, but is in little ways adorned a little more ornately. So, like, there is a, like, line of gold filigree on his belt. His shirt around uh, the collar um, has a little bit of, like, extra embroidery. His shoes have a interesting synth buckle on them. So, just in, in little things that are just a hair fancier than you would expect for someone kind of living in a farming community. Well, shall we get our uh, our inane tied up then? Seems like the thing to do. Head over to the tavern that he pointed out and there is kind of like a, a roughly drawn sign over it. There's no name um, but it's just kind of like a, a picture of like a, a very stereotypical like automaton robot like kind of like Gundam style and you tie up your, your knee and there's like a little like stable kind mm-hmm. of thing outside and walk in and there is someone who is uh, kind of like behind like a little like bar slash host kind of area um, but doesn't seem to be anyone else like working or anything like that uh-huh. and as you walk up the person there is a a middle-aged person more dapper clean cut in appearance but not fancy in any way necessarily has a a burn scar on their uh, right cheek and walk into the hello and welcome to the automatic. How can I help you? Uh, looking, uh, looking for a uh, room for the night. Can do, can do. Uh, one room for the lot of you, or do you need individual accommodations? If you got one room, three beds, that'd be just fine. Four, <laughs> four, yes. four, yes. Well, in that case, no. You won't have a spare Molly's with you. <laughs> That's right. NPCs sleep on the floor. (laughs) NPCs stay awake and look at the wall. (laughs) No, uh, one room with four beds would be great if you got one. Otherwise, individuals just fine. I think that's something we can do. We got a we got a suite available. uh, Assuming you're able to pay for it, that is going to be about uh, tensions for the night. I think we can swing that. I think uh, we can probably. Too. Let me let me, let me double check my sheet, but Mine. I'm pretty yeah. sure I've got. Oh yeah, I have plenty. Oh yeah, we're good. Yeah, we're good. We're good. Very well, very well. If you need anything, simply uh, press the button that's right next to your door, and uh, one of our helpers will see to your needs. Excellent. Thank you very much. And as you are motioned up, there's a kind of like an upstairs area where the the rooms are. Your, your typical fantasy tavern and inn situation. Mm-hmm. You do see a small, like, little robot moving around. Has it very, 
it reminds you a lot of BotBot, not in terms of um, build, but in looking at it in terms of utility. Meant for carrying things, holding things, pointing things out. Maybe a little bit of analyzation here and there, but these are little servant robots. And it seems like they do just about everything around here. Cook the food, serve the drinks, take care of the needs of the customers, clean things, etc. And I think that's probably a good place to wrap up. As you take your rest in these rooms, they're pretty comfortable, but it's been a long journey. You decided to rest a little bit before going and investigating. Now know is called the Beanstalk. Thank you so much for listening to episode 50 of Imprinted Echoes. If you'd like to follow the podcast on social media, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Imprinted Echoes and our website at imprintedechoes.com. On that website, you can find links to the Ghostlight Media merch store and our Patreon if you're able to help us out monetarily. And in that vein, I'd like to thank Everett, Connor, and Nate for their continued support. If you'd like to help us out in other ways, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a rating and review on whatever podcast will let you, and tell a friend about our show. As always, you can find our hosts on Twitter, myself at Covered and Sawdust, Chase at TQ Loudly, Rin at Rin underscore Moran, and Bridget at Really Bridget. And our network, Ghostlight Media at GLM Pods. Thanks once again for listening, and I hope you'll come back in two weeks to hear yet another episode of Imprinted Echoes. And until then, may your ciphers never malfunction. Imprinted Echoes is produced by Zan Campbell-Johannes and Chase Greenley, and is edited by Pat Mahood. Original show theme music is by Justin Longacre. This is a Ghost Like Media production.